Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Charlie Bird. And I'm Ben Shalati. Each episode, we discuss a question that we commonly get asked as LGBTQ plus Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, is being gay part of my identity? So Charlie and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both have passed the Association of Social Work Board exam. Did I say that right? I love love how you just read it. (laughs) It's the social work, the exam to be a licensed social worker. Um, However, there are some pretty big differences. For example, I passed mine today. Congratulations, Charlie. Like a few hours ago, like right before I drove here. How was the experience for you? Um, I felt really good. I really did some prep. Like I listened to all my favorite, like exciting pop songs wait a minute wait a minute your prep wasn't studied (laughs) well i studied before but like on the way there yeah today i didn't study all i just listened to pop music and got in a really good mood nice i drank a lot of water i drank too much water i had to take a bathroom break that's fine they let you do that um but yeah i passed and i passed like very respectably i felt really good about my performance you know i had a terrible experience i was like so stressed and the way the test is structured there's not just like one right answer you have to pick like the best answer that's not clear i was stressed the whole time and then when you finish i don't know if it's still like this but it was like it was like submit the test and it was like are you sure you want to submit and i was like (laughs) yes and then it was like take this sure you're sure that was like take this survey i was like ah Uh you take the survey like are you sure you want to submit the survey like yes it's like are you sure you want to submit the survey like yes and then like a little itty bitty box pops up that says passed like that's it (laughs) Oh, really? Mine, they like printed off a thing that was folded. So I walked out to the hallway oh, and opened it. Mine just popped up on the screen and said, passed, but like in like small letters. That's funny. And I was stressed for like the rest of the day, like too much cortisol in me from all We stress. passed though. Yeah. And I did not pass respectively. I passed like just enough. Really? <laughs> yeah. You're better than I am. I'm sure you were great. Anyway, yeah, I'm super excited. I feel really good. I don't know what I'm going to do now, but I'm glad that's over. You'll figure it it's out. It's been looming for months. It's really exciting. It's a big deal. Yeah, thank it's you. It's a big accomplishment. All right. Anyway, so we like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives. And today we're joined by Cole Kraus. Hello. So Cole, tell us a little bit about you. So I am a current BYU student studying accounting. I'm from Queen Creek, Arizona. Great place to be from. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we just met your mom at the live event. Yeah. In Arizona. It was she's so very fun. sweet. She was so nice. Yeah, she's like one of the best people I know. I love her so much. Um, but yeah, and my dad was there too. And they they had such a good experience there, um, especially seeing me through um, my coming out process and um, read like listening to your podcast and reading Charlie's book. Uh, it's been it's kind of like been a long a long process. I've known since I was thirteen that I was gay. So um, it was it was really cool for them to show their support in that way. So. Yeah. That's really cool. yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Well, Cole, I know you because you took my class a year ago, six, six months ago. The winter semester. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, it Did was, you like it? I loved it. It how, was awesome. How was it? How were the days when Charlie sucked? <laughs> oh, so those fun. were the best days. <laughs> how was your professor, though? He's awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and and at, in the class, I have you like write a paper about you know these different aspects of of your identity and and your and I invite students to write about their sexual orientation. How did you describe yourself back then? I don't super remember. Um, I, I think I said I experienced same sex attraction. Mm-hmm. I think I said that there. Um, and then I remember we had dinner afterwards. Um, and I was like, yeah, so I, I experienced same sex attraction. And he's like, I know I read your paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's how I, um, 
identified myself then. And throughout that semester, I was kind of thinking about, about how I identify more. Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually I, I just started using the word gay. And I remember I had a conversation with my, with my dad and I was like, um, just talking about random stuff. And I was like, yeah. And so because I'm gay, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, and then after the conversation, he said, so you used a word I've never heard before, or like, I've never heard you use before. Mm. And I was like, what word? (laughs) (laughs) Um, he's like, you you said you're gay. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I've just been starting to use, use that more and see, see how, how I feel about that. And, um, cause my whole life before I was, I would always say I experienced same sex attraction and, uh, that was, that was the way I, yeah. Is it, what was the significance of that shift for you? Um, it helped me, it helped me see more of myself as in, um, whereas using the word or the phrase same sex attraction would only relate to my attraction would only relate to my sexual orientation and not so much the full experience I have as, as being gay, um, how that defines my, my character, my personality. And so it just feels more, almost more whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It's the same sex attraction. Just like talk, it was just focused too much on just attraction, not on these mm-hmm. other important aspects of who you are. Yeah. So I remember also in my class, uh, we have a, a day where there's like an LGBTQ panel and I invite, whenever there's a panel in the class, I always invite students who like, fill that demographic to like be on the panel that if there aren't enough, I invite outside students to come in and I invited you to be on the LGBTQ panel. I know you were out to like only a handful of people at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I reached out, I was like, Hey, if you want to do this, you don't have to. And then, and you said you wanted to. And then I remember giving a big disclaimer at the beginning. I was like, okay, not everyone on this panel is like out. So what happens in class stays in class. So what was it that led you to like, want to accept that invitation to share your story with the class? Yeah. Cause I had only been out to, I, I, kind of kept a running list of all the people that knew um that just kind of helped me track who knew where that information was but um I guess the I wanted to be on the panel um because I felt like that was a perfect next step for me to um to accept myself and to to be a little bit more a little bit more brave about about who I am and that was that was like a the perfect next step for me and so i took it it was hard because it it was like a class of like 30 yeah there were 31 in the class yeah and 19 came every day usually but (laughs) (laughs) i remember that but um and before then i had only come out to people like one at a time so that was it was kind of a bigger step but it was definitely necessary it's like a big step in a controlled environment mm-hmm. that's cool it was that's perfect awesome. <laughs> so today we're talking about identity and more specifically like is being gay part of our identity or is orientation part of someone's identity and i think this is a really important topic it's a lot of questions like it's a question i've had mm-hmm. for a long time that like that i really worked through for myself and it's also a question other people ask me a lot um so Take it away, Ben. Great. Well, <laughs> well, there's also been a lot of talk about identity this last year. For sure. Um, yeah. This has been an emphasis of President Nelson. And yeah, should we just go with what, start with what, with what President Nelson said? Yeah, let's do it. Take it so away, Charlie. I, I pulled up a quote. Um, this came from the um, world, the, wait, you're going to know how to say this better than I do. The Worldwide Devotional for Young Single Adults. Is the, that it? The Association of Social Work Board Exam. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this came from the ASWB exam. And at this devotional, 
um, President Nelson was talking about labels and how we define ourselves. And I just pulled a few of those quotes. I'll read them now. Um, he said, labels can be fun and indicate your support for any number of positive things. Many labels will change for you with the passage of time. And I think Cole kind of like spoke to that. That was really cool. Thanks for that. And not all labels are of equal value, but if any label replaces your most important identifiers, the results can be spiritually suffocating. For example, if I were to rank in order of importance to designations that could be applied to me, this is again, the prophet speaking, I would say first, I'm a child of God, a son of God, then a son of the covenant then a disciple of Jesus Christ and a devoted member of his restored church. And he went on to say, Tonight I plead with you to not replace these three paramount and unchanging identifiers with any others, because doing so could stymie your progress or pigeonhole you in a stereotype that could potentially thwart your eternal progression. Mm. Um, and I was actually there. Yeah, in um, person? I was in person. You just yeah. got back from Hawaii that day, I remember. Yeah, I got back from Hawaii, and we went, like, we worked hard to get there. I went um, with some of my friends, and we showed up, and we were, like, next in line to get in the conference center. And we were the first ones to go to the overflow. Oh, no. <laughs> we waited for hours. But anyway, um, it was actually really awesome to hear this. Um, and this is something, like I said, I'd been thinking about a lot. And in fact, in the um, preface to my book, I wrote this thing about identity and what it means to me. And I started, like, it was also validating, too, because I remember starting my book by saying, you know, I, I identify first and foremost as a child of God. And, and as a son of Heavenly parents that influences everything that i am mm -hmm. um but with that there's um other identities and other labels that i that just make sense for me to use in life um to communicate different aspects of my character and personality um and i kind of kind of talked about what you talked about i used to identify as having same-sex attraction and then it kind of pulled more to gay because i felt that was more representative and not so focused on sex or who i'm attracted to mm -hmm. Um, and that really opened up a lot and helped helped me feel that my identity as a son of God was not at odds with my um, orientation. Um, and I, I just loved the way the prophet kind of spelled this out and talked about how if we secure and anchor ourselves in our most important identity as a, a child of God, we will like stay safe and like be close to Christ. But also there are other ones that can like fit within that. Yeah. yeah, I love what you're saying, Charlie. So I've got a question for, for, for you guys. So we have these identities. We're children of God. We're children of the covenant. We're, we're disciples of Christ, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> at least we should be. <laughs> um, and, like, what does that look like on, like, a Tuesday morning? Like, what does it look like to be a child of God, like, in, like, day-to-day -day life? Because this, this is something we say a lot, but, like, what does it actually look like in practice? Um, I remember on my mission, um, one of the things that I would try to do is to see everybody else as a child of God. Um, and so when I identified that way in myself um, every day, then it would help me see how similar I am to everybody else. Um, and it's almost like it's easier to do, to do the, it was easier to do that work because automatically, like I had that love for them, um, for the people that I was, that I was uh, teaching. Um, and so being a child of God to me is, is everything and it helps me helps me see the world around me in such a like a better light i guess mm -hmm. yeah um i was kind of thinking about my experience in high school i had two older sisters um and then my parents were very involved in the community so by the time i got there like i was the third bird huh. like I'm, I'm the next bird at school so there was already kind of this like reputation almost like this expectation 
Um, and it was a really good one because my, my parents and my older siblings both worked so hard and like, um, made so many like important moves in the community and in the school. Um, and that honestly, like really grounded me. It gave me a sense of purpose knowing that like I represent my family. Mm -hmm. Um, and it impacted, you know, like even sometimes the people I would hang out with just because I wanted to, um, be part of that. I wanted to like be part of my family's legacy. And then, um, paralleling that with, you know, being part of an eternal family, um, being a son of God. Um, I feel like a similar thing happens where just like, like, I don't know what it looks like specifically on a Tuesday morning, (laughs) but just like in general, it, it impacts the places I go and who I hang out with the words I say. Um, and, I, I really love what you were saying, Cole, about like how you reach out. I, I think that's really beautiful. Um, actually, I have a story. I feel like I've, I've yeah. kind of been talking a lot. Please, Charlie. But so, like last week, um, I was working out, doing this new workout challenge. I know the seventy-five. <laughs> and we uh, heard about it on your Instagram. <laughs> so I had this like strong thought that was like, on National Coaches Day, you should get flowers for your coach. Whenever that is, just put it in your calendar now. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So I go over to my phone, I Google when is National Coaches Day, and it was that day. It was like today. And I was like, ah! oh my gosh, this must be important. I was like, no, that's weird. And it's like, it's late. And I called this flower shop, but they were closed, and like all the flower shops were closed. And I was like, ah, nah, it's probably fine. I'm just like a weird coincidence. But then mm-hmm. I had another thought that was like, no, you should, you should really do this today. So I canceled my nightly plans, and I went to the store, and I bought like a couple different flowers because like whoever was arranging them did a horrible job. I mean, if it's at the grocery store, they don't really have professionals. I know it was not great. So I bought a vase and I went to my car and I like had some scissors with me and I like rearranged the flowers in my car. Still there's flower stems everywhere. I really need to vacuum (laughs) that up. They're all crustified now. Um, But then I uh, wrote a card, drove a a long distance, um, delivered it on the doorstep and then left. And then, um, like 30 minutes later, I I got a text from my coach saying that it had been a really terrible week and they were sick and just like at like a really low spot of the week and like feeling like no one really cared about them. And then that's when I did that. I love that. Yeah, it was really beautiful. And that's not to say that I'm like great or whatever, but it is to say that because I belong to this, to God's family, like I've had experiences like that and I know when it's like that speaks to me, you know, like I, I know when it's time to be part of God's family and when God needs someone to, to serve someone. Yeah. And I think if I didn't have a strong identity, a strong knowledge of my identity as a son of God, I wouldn't be able to recognize those promptings as clearly. Yeah. And in addition to that, like, like your coach's identity as well, like, like we are family, uh, we love each other and you deserve to feel seen and thanked. Yeah. It was cool. It was a really sweet experience. I was really grateful that, that, like I could be that for someone. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. awesome. Um, something that I've been able to to see in the like this process of thinking about identity is how personal revelation like plays plays a role in um, how we identify ourselves, and also um, how our identities influence personal revelation. Um, and so, just like thinking about being a child of God or um, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, the spirit has been able to to show me how those identities are important for me 
um, as well as being like a child of the covenant. Mm -hmm. Um, why those, why those are important for me and then what I should do as a result, um, of, of being that. And so that's been, tell me more about that. Like, do you have any specific examples that you could share? Cause I feel like that's really interesting. Yeah. I remember in president Nelson's talk when he was saying that the identifier, like being a child of God is almost, uh, what was the word he used? Uh, it's almost like a slogan instead of something that's like deeply ingrained into your heart. Mm-hmm. Some, something to it's the, like a little yeah. bit fickle uh-huh. almost. And I've, I've noticed that like singing, I'm a child of God, uh, super frequently, but so I had the opportunity to be an FSY counselor this last summer. And that was such an amazing experience. Um, and one of the things that they taught us to do, and one of the things that president Nelson actually, um, did was emphasize the importance of identity at FSY when we were teaching them. Uh, president Nelson gave, um, a little pep talk for the week at the beginning. It was just like a video of him talking about how important, um, being a child of God is. And so as I was, as I would go about the week, I would, I would try to remember that. I would try to remember these are children of God. That would help a lot when, um, they were kind of being rambunctious. <laughs> as children <laughs> are like, wanting to I be. can be patient. Uh, yeah. Um, and the spirit would help me know when to emphasize that it would help. Uh, he would help me know, um, why it was important for them to know. And then in those moments of when I would, when I would teach them or, uh, even in just like walking with them to certain places, it'd be like, Hey, emphasis, or like, let them know that they, that they are a child of heavenly parents. Um, and what, what that means to you. And something really cool that I was able to see is at the end of the week, we have a testimony meeting uh, where the, the youth have the opportunity to to share what they know. And every week somebody would say something to the effect of, I know I am a child of God. And um, I was in those moments, I would always be so excited to see what they would do after that. And I'm I'm excited now because now that I got to see, or now that they understood that their their path almost is almost like seeing into the future you would know that 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 identifier would help would help them and change their course in life mm-hmm. and so that was that was a really cool thing to see yeah and I, and, I, and i think that's so true like like if we i love how you said that or quoting president nelson that sometimes i'm a child of god can just be a slogan uh, but it's something that we actually need to like really let sink deep into us. I remember back when I, I was on my mission many years ago, uh, I was teaching the, this lesson at church and people were interrupting and like saying like, and like giving these long comments that weren't really related to things, uh, but like saying that they're like sharing a lot of like really personal feelings and, and what they learned, but it wasn't in, always in line with the lesson. And I was really annoyed because I was like, we got to get through this lesson. And then I had this thought like, we're not here to get through a lesson. Like we're here to, to, to talk and share and learn. And, and there was one person who I knew lived alone, who had, I knew had been alone all day, who was commenting an awful lot, and I was getting annoyed. And I thought, what a great thing that we have this space where this person who was lonely can come and talk. And, and we just need to listen. And, uh, you know, I think when we, when we try and see not, not only ourselves, but those around us as, as children of God with a divine identity and, and nature, then that really affects how we treat people. Yeah, that's really pretty. 
So kind of moving it towards the direction of this question that we're discussing, like is being gay part of your identity? Um, what thoughts or feelings come up when you think about that, Cole? Um, that question, every time I, I think of that question as I've been like preparing, um, the thought just keeps coming like, I'm still figuring that out. I'm still figuring out what a part of my, what my identity entails and what, what is a part of my identity. Um, and that's in a way that's comforting, um, to, to think about, like, I don't have to know exactly who I am right now in this moment, but it can be, it can be told to me as I, as I seek it. Um, and I can find that, um, through, through my savior. Um, yeah. Cole, what I'm hearing you say is you're still figuring it out. Like yeah. is, if, if your orientation is part of your identity, mm-hmm. what would be like the good or the bad of it being part of your identity? Like, 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 like why would you want it to be? And like, what, what would scare you about that? Sure. Um, so something that would be good is that I get to see <clears throat> more, more of my experience and it, it just, it feels more, more inclusive of the experiences I, I go through. Um, but definitely a, a con would be the fear that comes from the stereotypes of, of being gay. Things I su- would supposedly, supposedly be doing as a gay person, the, um, the ways that I see things. And so I think that, that was, that's been the hardest part of identifying that way. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're saying that um, there's, there's a fear that identifying as gay um, would almost like whether on purpose or kind of it sounds like accidentally um, lead you to assimilate into like a culture or choices that don't um, integrate as well with the child of God aspect of identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I felt very similarly. Like I didn't start self-identifying as gay till I was like twenty nine, like twenty nine thirty, and. And uh, that's because I'd read all these blogs of people who were like, I experienced same-sex attraction. They're like, and now I'm gay. And then they left the church. And I thought mm-hmm. that like that was the progression. Like once you take on this identity label, then it's like, well, you're just bound to leave the church. And so I was really afraid that that was going to happen to me. Uh, but then when I was about, you know, around that time, um, you know, I know this isn't the same for everyone, but like for me, the term same-sex attraction reminds me of those times when I've been taught that, that, that my orientation was a trial, a temptation, and an affliction of this life that wouldn't exist in the, in the next life and so i just you know those were the years when i would have rather been dead and straight than alive and gay and so that term like carries all that baggage for me and so for me like when i started calling myself gay what i was telling myself was i'm gonna live my best life the way heavenly father sent me to earth and for me that was super empowering and you know maybe it wouldn't have been that the same way if i had taken on the label earlier but for me it, it, it that's that's what happened yeah. well and i feel like that's kind of like the power in this quote that i read earlier and that he's saying like labels can be important and they're not all of equal value, but they associate, they can associate you with positive things, but just make sure you don't let any label or identifier supersede these most important ones, these, these grounded ones. Um, and so, something you were saying just kind of reminded me, I was thinking about my identity and just the way that like um, my identity has stayed constant and the way that it shifted Um, in that like, you know, I used to identify with like my high school and then with, you know, being a missionary and then with being at BYU, um, or like where I've lived or what job I'm doing. So that's like a part of like identity, but that's, that's one that changes, right? It's one that is subject to choice. 
And I feel that for me, my orientation, while I've also had some different like ways that I've labeled it, is something that hasn't changed. It's been a constant through my life. Um, and so it kind of like moves up in importance as far as how it impacts me, um, how I feel, how I fit in the world. Um, and so like that, that becomes, you know, an unchanging part of my identity. And I also had that fear that if I said I was gay, then that would mean X, Y, Z, I have to do these things or that I would just drift. I, w- I think I was mostly afraid of drift. Um, cause it, there is like a strong social and cultural connotation with being a gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I believe that if you keep that foremost identity, these three of, of being, uh, you know, a child of God, a child of the covenant and a disciple of Christ, then you don't have to be afraid of that drift because it's going to drift within the bounds of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah when, when I think of stereotypes of gay men, I think of people who make bouquets in their car. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's me. <laughs> You're the stereotype. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> you know, as we're talking about, you know, being child of children of God, there's, uh, I remember reading this verse in Isaiah 56 that like really struck me. And it says that God will give to, to us in his house, a name and a place better than sons and daughters and that you know uh and, and you know it's true like like we are children of god because we're, we're you know offspring of deity but also like god doesn't want us to, to just be children he wants us to to, to grow and progress and, and become uh like he is and and that yeah so i think we have this divine nature but also like this call to like go to the house of god and and be better than just sons and daughters um I'm wondering, we've talked a lot about this first, you know, this first of the three identifiers the prophet talked about, being a child of God. The next one is being a child of the covenant. Um, how does that interact with with your life? Or, like, what does that look like on a Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> um, being a child of the Easy covenant. Easy answer, going to the temple. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> going to the temple. Um, I think having that reminding myself of that identity helps me to remember my covenants, uh, remember the promises that I've made and it affects the thing, the things that I do. Um, and it's, I think it's in a way, these labels are really helpful to like, they're good reminders of who I am and, uh, what I've for like being a child of the covenant. Um, I think that's inherent and being, born as a member of the church or being sorry being born of parents who are members of the church so there was actually a part of that that scared me and it's not it's not scary but um i remember when i was when i was in fsy there was a teacher that said being a part of the seed of abraham and being a part of that covenant um there's also the promise of of having seed and i was like I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um, and so I think the, that part of, um, of being a child of the covenant, I think that that scared me a little bit, but um, what helps me is to remember um, every day, the thing, the promises that I've made and how I can honor those covenants. Um, yeah. I love that. And I said, like, as you were talking, I was thinking of the, of the, the power of covenants because covenants bind us to God. And so we're children of God, then our covenants bind us to him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was just complaining about something that was like scaring me a few days ago. And my friend was like, well, don't you think God's going to take care of you? I was like, 
yeah, obviously. <laughs> and I was like, duh, like in this moment, I need to remember that. Like I need to not be worried about this thing that, w- that was stressing me out. Um, and yeah, so I, I think, you know, for me, I was actually just talking to some friends about this this morning. So this isn't an original thought from Ben. Uh, but, you know, to me, what it means to be a child of covenant is remember like I am bound to God and God is bound to me. And therefore, like we are in this together. Yeah. Cole, I appreciate like your, your sheer honesty in saying that like, um, being of the seed of Abraham and like like that promise freaked you out because it mm-hmm. like that that's that, that's just like such a real gay member of the church thought mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so it's just like super relatable I don't know what to say about it or have a solution mm-hmm. for you but you know um, there's I'm sure that and I'm sure that extends to people beyond being gay you know mm-hmm. other people who um, are single or struggle um, like having kids you know um, so I want to be sensitive to that but on the flip side of that, just going back to that seed of Abraham covenant, like it's the promise that the earth will be blessed by Abraham's seed, which is us. And what a beautiful promise that we get to be a part of as children of the covenant. Um, the earth will be blessed because of us. And I, I just think that's such a, a pretty thought. And it's a thought that makes me want to bless the earth and make it better. And, um, you know, I guess that kind of ties into your um, kind of, Honestly, I would say groundbreaking revelation, Ben. Uh, I'm serious of like multiplying and replenishing the earth going beyond just like um, procreation into making things more beautiful, replenishing hearts and driving unity and just like creating a better, more sanctified place for all of God's children. And making sure that every, everyone we interact with feels renewed, refreshed, and replenished because they got to interact with us. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think... Um, going going along with that like a part of replenishing the earth um and having seed for me i think that could also mean like planting seeds just like almost kind of brings it like to faith like faith is or faith is like a seed and so we can replenish people by um bringing them more faith or inspiring them to have more faith in god Mm-hmm. I think that I love that. Yeah, like beautiful. plant good seeds everywhere you go. Yeah, <laughs> we're like Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> so, so the song um, "Scatter Sunshine" in Spanish is called "Plant Joy." Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh. plant joy everywhere you go. That's cute. Yeah, love that. Um, Kim, is it cool if we move into the third, for sure. the third aspect? Okay, the last one is a disciple of Christ and devoted member of His restored church. That's kind of two. Should we break those into two or should we keep that one? Uh, hopefully they're the same thing. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> if not, there's at least significant overlap. <laughs> yeah. So so moving into this space of being a disciple of Christ and a devoted member of the restored church. How does that influence your identity? Like what comes to mind there? Um, definitely what comes to mind is how being a disciple of Jesus Christ is like, it's almost like Christ is your teacher. You are a disciple of him and you're learning you're learning about him. You're learning about uh, his gospel. Um, and I'm also trying to become more like him. And I really like that phrase that we always use, become more like him. We're not becoming exactly him. We are not becoming Jesus Christ, but we are becoming like him. Mm-hmm. And so there are still parts of our identity that we can still hold um, to, um, to, bring, to bring into that, if that, if that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, like, like like becoming Christ like doesn't mean like we like lose who we are. Mm-hmm. We we maintain our individuality. Yeah, yeah. You know, as, as I thought about 
you know, this thought keeps coming to me. We're having this really nice conversation about like what it means to be a child of God. Has this happened to you guys where someone will say to you, you're not gay, you're a child of God? Yeah, like all the time. It's <laughs> all the time. Why do you think people do that? I, uh, ignorance. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, you so, have a better answer. So, so if people are ignorant, what aren't they getting when they say you're not gay, you're a child of God? What aren't they getting? So I've actually never had that experience. I haven't come out to too many people yet, <laughs> but um, it sounds from what like from what I'm hearing, like it sounds like they may not understand exactly what being a child of God is, or what I guess it's more of they don't quite understand what gay what the word gay means for the person they're they're talking to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to explore this more because it's it seems like I'm thinking of every other thing that someone would like classify as sin or different or um, a part of identity, and I can't think of anything else that someone would say you're not that you're a child of God. Yeah, the example I often give is like like I I'm an extrovert, and that's like a big part of my personality. Right. And if I if I said I'm an extrovert, and someone's like, well, you're not an extrovert, you're a child of God. Like that seems so silly. <laughs> yeah. Or like if we said to 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 Elder Uchtdorf, you're not a pilot, you're a child of God. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that so often people like they they think that 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 this particular aspect of 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 one's identity is something that 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 is bad or or shouldn't be or maybe I, maybe they they think it's incompatible because mm-hmm. i mean even within this question there's the idea of c- compatibility like is being gay part of your identity and um taking that a step further can it be part of your identity if you have these three primaries right mm-hmm. um and i believe it can like i i wholeheartedly believe it can and i think the fact that the three of us exist and are in this room proves that um but for a lot of people it, it probably never has because i mean there is that there historically has been kind of that like social slide away from religion if someone's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, that's really sad and how amazing that we get to challenge that mm-hmm. and say, here I am, you know, yeah, totally. This is real. This is me. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> is that Hannah Montana? It's, it's Camp Rock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Disney channel original something. Yeah. Well, going out, do you have something to say, Cole? Okay. Um, th- there's this quote I want to share from Elder Ballard that he shared um, in General Conference in April 2021. Uh, this is from his talk, Hope in Christ. And he said this, and I really love this. He said, because we are the spirit children of God, everyone has a divine origin, nature, and potential. Each of us is a beloved spirit, son, or daughter of heavenly parents. This is our identity. This is who we really are. You know, going along with all we've, all we've been talking about. Then he goes on to say this. Our spiritual identity is enhanced as we understand our many mortal identities, including ethnic, cultural, or national heritage. I love the idea that like, like our spiritual selves become enhanced as we look at who we are now. That's pretty. This sense of spiritual and cultural identity, love and belonging can inspire hope and love for Jesus Christ. I love this idea that, that, that the different aspects of who we are can inspire hope and faith and love in Jesus Christ. Cole, do you feel like being gay has inspired faith and hope in Jesus Christ? Yes. Tell us about that. <laughs> um, it's definitely helped me be more, be more inspired. Um, as I've, as I've gotten to know more about who I am, um, it helps me appreciate myself more in that I'm appreciating what God created. Mm -hmm. And so appreciating like going on a walk for nature, like the more I, or a walk in nature, the more I appreciate God's creations, the more inspired I am, the more I feel like the more faith I have, 
because because of that. And so as I've as I've come to appreciate myself more and see the qualities that I have that God put in my heart um, and in my being, uh, it's helped me. It's helped me love Him more. Um, I know that if I hadn't had the experiences that I that I've experienced um, as a result of of being gay, I know I, I wouldn't be as empathetic of a person or gentle or kind. Um, and so when I, when I accept that this part of who I am has helped me become more like my savior, it helps me appreciate, appreciate him and, um, and my heavenly father for how he created me. Yeah. Can you give us an example, like how that's worked for you in your life? Like how is, how is, you know, being gay, like, how has it done that for you? How has it like deepened your faith and your love for God? Yeah. I consider it almost like a spiritual gift. I, I do consider it as a spiritual gift that I have um, because I've noticed that when I when I talk with people or when I hear what people say about me, I remember in seminary uh, a long time ago, someone, we were just kind of giving out compliments to the class um, about just random people in the class. It was just kind of like a, a good team building exercise. Um, but somebody in my ward that um, I never would have thought would would say anything about me, he just kind of said, um, "I have never ever met someone as kind as Cole. I've never had like heard him. I've never heard him say a single mean thing about anybody else." And and kind of looking back on that, um, even though in that time I did not. I was still like saying, oh, I struggle with same-sex attraction. This is like a trial that I have. Looking back, I can see how um, how it it be, it helped me become who I was and it helped inspire what I did. Um, and people recognize that. And it's so interesting to see how um, people may may put that down, like maybe say, okay, you're you're not a child of God, or sorry, you're not, you're not, you're not gay. You're a child of God. When being gay has helped me become, helps me recognize I am a child of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, it, as you were talking, I was just thinking about, um, like what my orientation has done for me. And I remember just like before I, you know, came out to my close friends and then coming out publicly, just like asking like God, like not to require that of me because I didn't want to. Um, as much as I love attention <laughs> and, and you know, the, the really cool thing is like my orientation has now become the main vehicle through which I bear my testimony and, and like, what a cool thing that is. I get to like go around and tell people about, you know, my experiences with God. And, and part of that is because of my orientation. I think that's really beautiful. And, you know, also as I, I think about, you know, my, my personal life, not just, not just sharing my testimony, but I remember someone telling me that like, if I didn't marry a woman, as soon as possible, like the plan was halted for me. And I were thinking, really? And I was like, well, I'm gonna see if it's true. So I pulled out my Book of Mormon, which has, uh, you know, it talks about the plan of salvation. And I looked up, I read every chapter of the plan of salvation to see how I fit in. And I, and I, and then I was like, well, how, how do I fit in here to this plan? I saw, I really do fit in. And I think this, you know, be like my orientation has, has given me a space where I don't often feel like I fit in, like, like church isn't easy mm-hmm. and the gospel isn't easy. So therefore I have to do a lot of work to like figure out 
like like where I fit and and it's really helped me have a stronger relationship with God because I feel like I feel like I've needed it to be able to move forward. Yeah. Um I I want to note a couple of things that I thought of when you were talking. The first was like just imagining the the expansion in your view of God's love. Um just thinking for me I I hated myself. I hated this aspect of me. And the the first person who I felt love it was my heavenly father. And that really expanded my view of God's love because if it could reach far enough to, to get to somebody like me, it, it must be all encompassing. And like that, that idea made sense for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, well, I don't know. I just got emotional there and I forgot <laughs> the next thing I was going to say to you. <laughs> Charlie, where's that emotion coming from? Um, it's gratitude. Is, is gratitude for a God who loves me. Um, and it's gratitude for a God who showed me that, that I can be myself and still be loved by heaven. Um, that, that I'm not a mistake. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I lived there for so long and I don't live there anymore. But sometimes, I guess like right now, when I think about what that was like and reconnect with that younger version of myself, I'm just like... It, it's so tragic, but then it turns into such a beautiful miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something about like, friend. You, oh, oh, and then <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is, um, as far as like you halting the plan of salvation, uh-huh. like I'm pretty sure God's plan is better, <laughs> better than like one Ben Shalati being able to halt it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty good. <laughs> so. <laughs> Just leave that there. I think what this person meant was like it was like halted, halted for me for personally. You. Yeah. yeah, not that I was going to like thwart the work of God. Yeah, can you read the the back end of that quote one more time? Yes. Uh, so Elder Ballard said, "Our spiritual identity is enhanced as we understand our many mortal identities, including ethnic, cultural, or national heritage. This sense of spiritual and cultural identity, love, and belonging can inspire hope and love for Jesus Christ." I think that's so awesome. And what it reminded me of was learning Spanish, mm-hmm. and that like I've. You know, I've always, or prior to learning Spanish, I'd always viewed the world and language through English, right? And mm-hmm. like even like even like some slang, you know, <laughs> like figure things out. Um, but one of the most beautiful things about learning a different language is there's there's words that capture different experiences and feelings differently mm-hmm. in new ways. And just even like the most basic, like in English, the word for love is love, but in Spanish, there's multiple different words that describe different types of love and i was just like wow that's so cool it's like it's like bigger you know and so i feel like in a in a analogous way me accepting my orientation has like given me a new lens where i can like see things in a newer light and like gain more appreciation for different aspects of the gospel Mm -hmm. and that's just another way that learning more about um who i am has grown me closer to Christ. Do you guys feel like your orientations or identity labels have taken you farther away from God? Has that ever happened to you? Farther away? Yeah. Like led you away? I think the only time that it has is when I would shame myself because of it. Um, When I wouldn't see, see myself, then in that moment I wouldn't be appreciating what God has created. And of course I didn't, I didn't know that like, that I shouldn't have been sharing myself. <laughs> but I think in that moment, it was hard for me to see God's love. Mm-hmm. 
so what, what I was thinking was, uh, like, has, has my orientation taken me farther from God? Honestly, no. Like, I don't think it has. Like, I've always prayed. I've always had a lot of faith. I've, and, like, even in my younger years, I was, like, filled with, like a, like, a lot of shame and self-hatred. I wasn't like, God, why do you hate me? It was like, what's the purpose of this? Like, it was just, like, a lot of questioning, like, wondering, like, why like why is this happening? Not, like, do you love me? Am I your child? Like, I never had those worries. Um, but what it has done at times is is created in me, like, distance between me and the church because I felt like I didn't belong there. Like I never felt like I didn't belong with God, but there have been times when I felt like I didn't belong like, like with the Larry St. People. And thankfully in those moments where that's happened, there have always been people who have like pulled me in and like helped me know that like I do belong and, and, I, and I have a place. And so, and, and so I've learned, you know, when I get to those places where like, I feel like I don't fit in, um, you know, I need to reach out to people and, and let them, let them show that they love and care about me. And in the end, um, like in the long run, you know, th- those have been, those have been moments and times, but in the end, I don't think my orientation has taken me farther from God at all. I think, I think it's actually brought me much closer and it's also strengthened my testimony of the restoration. Um, it's funny. Cause as I'm thinking about this question that you posed, I like I I'm thinking of a couple instances where I feel like it kind of did mm-hmm. um and I'm like trying to like analyze that in myself um and and I think what it was is times when like social pressure or expectation or just like lack of um direction or um role models like took me to a place that felt far from God or that was scary um and and I think it was because of this like idea of like letting letting that label and like everything that i was attaching to it grow to be a little too big um like basically like letting other people define that mm-hmm. what that looks like for me rather than me defining it myself i think that's good that's really hook good. into that stay there because i gotta finish and then i want to <laughs> okay. go back to that um but it's interesting because in these experiences i'm thinking of every time god was always right there like if i was like i'm scared where's god he was like i'm right here like I'm here. And so again, just like, I'm just feeling overwhelmingly grateful for that expansiveness of God's love. Cause even when I like was led to places that terrified me, I would say, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm here. Like, like turn around. I'm right here. Yeah. And how beautiful is that? Yeah. I love that. Ugh, amazing. Okay. Now, Charlie, that was great. Now, <laughs> now, now tell us more about how like letting people define yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. How's I that think, bad? So no, no, no. Like when, when we're talking about like this, this slide or like fear of being gay, of saying I'm gay, I think what it was is letting other people like, like buying into what everybody else expected because of that mm-hmm. and not defining it my own way. And I, I think like that, that might be the key right there. Right. And, and I mean, I, I learned that along the way. I, I, that's how I started my book. I said, this is, I, I identify as gay and this is what it means to me, just so you know, and this is what it means to me, what it's always going to mean to me. But I, I think of those times when I didn't have that groundedness in my identity. And when I was like, well, if I'm gay, it means I have to do this or I have to go to this place or talk like this or, you know, all, all of these like, cultural aspects which by the way change a lot of times like even in the country that you're in just like um like a white gay male in america is expected to be this if i buy into that then it's no longer congruent with myself and it does like that would pull against my eternal identity i think Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think that I think that's powerful. Like, like making sure we're not, like making sure that other people aren't defining who we are. Yeah, like making sure that's something that comes from from within us. And you know, in my book, since you talked about it in your book, I didn't talk about identity at all, or like why I choose the label gay. I just used it. And my my philosophy has always just been like, well, success is the best revenge. And if someone feels uncomfortable <laughs> with the term I use, then I'm just gonna be my best me, and they're gonna be like, oh, okay, <laughs> you've really drawn the chalk circle around yourself, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of on the flip side, um, if I find myself doing that to other people, like kind of identifying people for them, or in a way like judging them, I feel like the more I judge myself, and so that I think not only is it harmful to the people that, um, like to the people that you're defining that for, but also for yourself. Because I just find I also feel more judged when I when I do that, mm-hmm. um, and it's almost like you're taking taking away taking away a part of a part of God's creation. Because I feel like as children of God, we all have a piece or like some kind of attribute, kind of like how we inherit things from our our mortal parents. Um, we all inherit things from our heavenly parents. And so each of us has like a piece of our heavenly parents within us. And so, um, when we, when we kind of deny, deny things for other people or tell them what things should look like, then it's almost like disregarding, um, disregarding a, one of God's creations. Yeah. Cole, that's awesome because there's this thing I do that I think probably other people do where I really reduce people down to something small. Like sometimes I'll have a friend of like, I wonder if they're gay. And I'll like think about that. I'm like, I met this person that's gay, you know? And then I don't see them. I just like wonder about this part of them that who cares? It's like a distraction from seeing their heart. Yeah, exactly. And I think about the times I do that. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to do that. Like I want to make sure I'm seeing people holistically. That's cool. And let them define themselves to you. Yeah, because people have seen me in a really myopic way, and that's damaged me. I don't want to ever do that to anybody else. All I am to you, Ben, is a car florist. (laughs) (laughs) Just a car florist. (laughs) I should should get like a a flower truck and go around. (laughs) You'd be good at that. Uh, uh, You were going to talk about a talk you gave. Oh, yeah. So um, I was asked to give a talk last Sunday, um, and... I decided to talk about divine identity. Um, and to prepare for this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I could not prepare for both at the same time. I think I couldn't have handled that. You're a busy guy. Accounting. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of a lot. But no, it's, thanks. <laughs> all, all, all those beans you got to count. <laughs> yeah. That's all we do every day. As I was preparing for the talk, I remembered an experience I had in the temple as I was thinking about my divine identity and um, how I can figure that out more because I'm still in this process of like, okay, who am I and what should I include in that? Um, And as I was just kind of waiting for um, one of the sessions to start, I opened up to 3 Nephi 11 when Jesus Christ comes to visit the the Nephites after his death in Jerusalem. Um, And I came across verses 12 through 15 um, and just kind of looking through the lens of identity 
And it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, the multitude fell to the earth. For they remembered that it had been prophesied among them that Christ should show himself unto them after his ascension into heaven. And this was just after he was saying, I am Jesus Christ, whom the prophets testified shall come into the world. He identified himself, and it mm-hmm. astonished people. It made them fall to the earth. Um, and then afterwards he says, um, Arise and come forth unto me, that ye may thrust your hands into my side, and also that ye may feel the prince of the nails in my hands and in my feet, that ye may know that I am the God of Israel and the God of the whole earth and have been slain for the sins of the world. And it came to pass that the multitude went forth and thrust their hands into his side and did feel the prints of the nails in his hands and in his feet. And this they did do going forth one by one until they had all gone forth and did see with their eyes and did feel with their hands and did know of a surety and did bear record that it was he of whom it was written by the prophets that should come. And as I was reading that, it reminded me of another scripture um, in Isaiah where it says, um, I have like engraven thee in the palms of my hands. And so as those people, as those Nephites were going to him one by one, um, it just kind of, a thought kind of struck me. It was like, they could be learning about themselves because Jesus Christ has, their names written engraven in the palms of his hands and so when they go forth one by one to see that they are finding more about themselves and their identity through jesus christ and so it just brought me to this realization that of the principle if i turn to jesus christ and i go to him and have these experiences with him i can learn more about who i am and what i'm supposed to be doing um and that was just such a powerful experience um, that I had, and I'm excited to to see more of myself through Jesus Christ in that way. That's beautiful. I love that. So you want to hear my theory? I want to hear it. Okay, I'm going to tell you my theory. Um, so obviously identity has been talked about a lot recently from the prophet and from the apostles, and I think like there's been a lot of conference talks, devotionals, a lot focused on identity and I think it's because like what greater tool could the adversary have than to confuse us of who we are Mm -hmm. Um, like like this grounding force that we've all talked about that's like got us to serve people and beautify the the earth and, and build relationships and heal ourselves and become more hopeful people that has all been grounded in our identity as children of God, as, you know, covenant keepers, as disciples of Christ. And so it just makes total sense that like the adversary, if he can confuse that one spot, then everything else starts falling away. There's, there's less beauty in the world. There's less service. There's less hope. There's less healing. Um, and just how, how, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, one, I'm, I'm grateful that we have leaders that, you know, are seeing this and are, you know, spelling this out in it. Like, honestly, it's a pretty easy, like one, two, three way, like make sure these are set and then, and then you're going to be in a good spot. Um, but also like the power that leaning into that identity has against darkness. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like that's why all of this confusion is happening because it's, it's such a, such an obvious tool, you know? Mm-hmm. 
yeah B- build on that that true base and then like start with that base and then build off of that yeah how firm a foundation <laughs> <laughs> do you have any final thoughts cool um i think another another reason why um they're they're kind of emphasizing identity more as well as because um it's in a way preparing the world for jesus christ when he comes so that we can recognize him and we can remember who we are in our relationship with him um a really really cool experience i had at fsy every at the end of each week we also have this big music devotional um and i was just like i was just kind of in the congregation just kind of looking around um and i had the like the sudden thought and i just immediately started crying um that i was experiencing the beginnings of the testimonies of those who would prepare the world for jesus christ um and in that moment i was like i'm i'm seeing something amazing i'm seeing um the future future leaders future members of the church that are going to to prepare the way and if they know who they are it's going to be such a wonderful sight and so seeing seeing that like that those that beginning there i just i felt so like honored to be there and it was such a sacred experience i love that you're such a good guy <laughs> you're amazing colt thank you so much for your your wisdom and just being a great guy and a friend yeah it was an awesome conversation thank you thank you so much i know that i'm literally nothing without without my savior jesus christ and um, because of him, I've been able to figure out more who I am and um, see that, just kind of find myself in him. And um, I'm so honored to be able to share my experiences, and um, I'm just very grateful for this opportunity. Thanks, Cole. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review, following us on Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook at Questions from the Closet, or sharing this podcast with someone you love. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. We're not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard three perspectives and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until next time. time.